Openscapes has transitioned from being solely a mentorship program towards being an approach and a movement. This is about kindness. It's about culture change. It's about inclusion. It's about like the relationships we build with each other. Because the idea of changing your workflows or shifting your behaviors, like that's scary and lonely. And so how can we introduce these concepts in a friendly way so that people feel more confident and have trust with each other so that they can sort of shift their practices? Hi, I'm Stephanie Tumampos, and you're listening to Down to Earth, the show where we talk to incredible geoscientists about their science and its impacts on our planet. This season, we're speaking to a wide variety of folks to investigate all things open science. Throughout the season, I've been taking a look at the components that make up open science. As I've explored open science more deeply, I've noticed that many of our guests say that open science isn't just about open practices, it's about a culture change. We need to shift our approach to science so it isn't just about data and results, but also about substantial changes that could improve the way we conduct and report science. But how do we generate culture change? That is the question I'll be exploring today with the co-developers of Openscapes. This episode of Down to Earth is brought to you by the IEEE Geoscience and Remote Sensing Society. The GRSS is a community of passionate researchers and practitioners who are working to benefit society through their science, engineering, education, and applications. This year, GRSS is excited to collaborate with the NASA Transform to Open Science initiative to celebrate the Year of Open Science with a whole down-to-earth season devoted to this very topic. To learn more and get involved in the year-long events and celebrations, visit science.nasa.gov and search for Open Science. I'm a researcher, a marine ecologist, and I think I have a really common story where I was excited about the research I was doing. I was figuring out how to be a student and a scientist, starting to do field work, developing collaborators, really interested in the science, and then was absolutely panicked when I got my data because I didn't know how to analyze it. I couldn't actually even open my data in Excel because the file was too big, and Excel was the only data analysis tool that I knew. This is Dr. Julia Lowndes. She's the founding director of Openscapes, where she works at the intersection of actionable environmental science, data science, and open science. As you heard, she came to open science in part because of her own struggles dealing with data. While she was able to find a mentor to teach her R programming to complete her PhD, the experience helped her realize the importance and usefulness of open science, particularly for team collaborations. I didn't, I guess, set out to to work in open science, but I've found it to be so productive that that's been the way that I've continued on. And so I've continued the practice of open science and in helping teams transition to open science because I understand how how powerful it can be when we work together. This is Erin Robinson, CEO and co-founder of Metadata Game Changers. Together, she and Julia co-developed Openscapes, a program that supports researchers with incorporating open practices into their work. How did they come up with this concept? Well, here's how Julia tells the story. Openscapes started in 2018 when I had a fellowship from Mozilla. It was an open science fellowship with Mozilla. And I had the idea for Openscapes uh, building from my work as a research scientist at the Ocean Health Index, we had just published a journal article in Nature, Ecology, and Evolution about our path to better science in less time using open data science tools. So 
you know, my my team had just transitioned and shared their story. And then I wanted to help other teams make this shift as well. And I didn't know what that would look like. But I had that I had this fellowship and I had the idea I create was able to create the website using R and GitHub. Um, you know, I, I had this kind of web first idea. And it was through Mozilla that I also learned um, about the Open Leaders Program and saw that as a model for the Champions Program. And so our first cohort of the OpenScapes Champions was in 2019. So what is OpenScapes then? Can you tell us about your goals in programming? Yeah, so really OpenScapes is about how we can accelerate data-driven solutions and increase diversity, equity, and inclusion and belonging in science through open practices. So Julie started OpenScapes based on her own experience of struggling as a researcher and then finding that power of collaborating in teams and setting up processes that allowed for reproducible science and working together. And so that's really, I think, the powerful part of OpenScapes is that it teaches the kind of the broader shifting of the behavior change that we're looking for in teams of how to be a place where many people can learn together. Yeah, we often talk about kinder science as part of this and thinking about how we can be kinder to each other through our teamwork, but also kinder through like documentation in our code or in our standard operating procedures. Um, some of the thing, core things that OpenScapes does is we have our Champions Program, which is a mentorship program for teams. We've led this program 15 times now since that original time in 2019. Teams meet twice a month over two to four months and start uh, learning about tools and practices that they can begin to weave into their workflows. It's different from a workshop that you might go to for a couple days and then you come back to your real work. This is really trying to help people reflect on their work, see new ways of working, see how their colleagues are working, learning from broader open communities and start um, weaving that into their existing workflows as, as needed. So that Champions Program is one thing we do. We lead community calls to share information and have conversations with people we admire um, and learn from people. All of our resources are available online. So there's an open educational component of this. We also lead the NASA OpenScapes project, which we can talk about a little bit more as well. I really want to get into the NASA OpenScapes project, but I'd like to stick with the original OpenScapes program for a bit longer. My understanding is that OpenScapes is about training in open science tools and practices, but it's also about culture change. So how does one teach culture change? What does this look like? Yeah, I mean, I think that the thing that comes up for me is thinking about open science as a spectrum. And so thinking, you know, first it's how, you know, OpenScapes champions help people think about how they can be open with future them, future you. Um, but the team component of that really it brings in future us right away. And so the whole design of the OpenScapes Champions program was they meet over time and they are responsible for designing where they want to go as their own team. And then we're bolstering them with that mentorship so that they actually make the transition towards open science in a way that's meaningful for them. And so we're not pushing teams to immediately put everything publicly on the web, although that is where we're, we're moving towards. That's the destination of the trail. But 
for teams, that isn't always the case. And so just this internal openness across a team is really, I think, a valuable thing that comes out of participating collectively as a team in OpenScape's champions. And the other thing I'll say that's been surprising is that a lot of people don't think of themselves as a team until we ask them this question. And then all of a sudden, they're like, oh, yeah, I do have people that I closely collaborate with that are part of my my team. And I think that's a useful construct to bring into the OpenScape's champions. And it's different from other programs that we're aware of. I think that team piece is unique. And then one other thing I would add is the power dynamics. And so we start OpenScape's champions programs naming the power dynamics and the positionality of us leading the program. Um, But also by coming together as a team, it helps to take some of the burden off of the the team lead or the PI and helps them start to distribute power and distribute leadership across their teams and see that their teams can really come together and they're not responsible. The, The lead isn't responsible for doing all the teaching, which I think a lot of times in open science, that feels like a burden of there's so much to learn. I don't know it. I'm having to self-teach myself, and then I've got to teach my team. But we're offering up this alternative that what if you trust your team and you all can learn together? And so it's a it's a growth point, I think, for teams that way, too. That's really interesting how people don't necessarily see themselves in a team until you ask about it. I guess that speaks to how we emphasize the solitary nature of science. And it sounds like your program helps deconstruct this stereotype. Julie, do you have any thoughts to add about teaching cultural change? Yeah, I think another, you know, I think we we do role model a lot of things that we have seen from other folks in the open science community. So we screen share often to ask people um, if someone's trying to describe their problem, like actually, could you screen share and show me like, what did you click on? Where are your files? What are they called? And to sort of normalize that type of openness with each other, you know, screen sharing and having that kind of trust. And on the other side, we also don't screen share when we present slides in the champions program, because that's a way for folks to open the slides on their own computer. They can you know, zoom in if they want, they can linger on slides, they can click the links themselves. And so it, it, it kind of is role modeling this kind of empowerment around how they're interacting with material. One other thing, though, that came to mind with your question was we aim for folks to opt in to participating with OpenScapes. This isn't something that it's a training that somebody sent them, you know, that somebody's boss sent them to. This is something where they don't need to know anything about data science or open science. They don't need to have any technical skills, but they do need to want to do a little bit better. And through that intention to do better, they can come with this kind of growth mindset, open um, openness to, to learning in this different style. Yeah, that's really a good point. We can't force culture change. It has to be something people want to do for themselves and their team. In your view, what are some of the initial challenges people face when it comes to embracing this culture change toward open science? I think that, you know, this this has come up already in our conversation, but it's it's the loneliness, it's the feeling of isolation and that everybody else already knows this and somehow you missed it. I think that is that's like one of the most um, strongly felt feelings that we get and it that feeling of loneliness and that everyone else knows it prevents you from asking questions or asking for help because you think that will expose that you don't know something. And 
really the question is like, when have we been supported to learn this stuff? One way to overcome this is to, you know, be a bit braver with the questions we're asking. So at say, you know, asking somebody if they could screen share something, ask, you know, what somebody meant by something, asking if somebody can help you. But on the other side too, it means, you know, being generous with what you know. Yeah. So um, I think that the other thing we're also trying to disrupt through all of our work with OpenScapes is changing the way that we we work. And so I think Julie and I all both have, but I'll just speak for myself, um, have had experiences with really abrasive bosses and people that we've worked with in the science community. And there can be this culture of bravado of dominating and of putting somebody down in order to seem important. And that is something that I want to just say is absolutely wrong. And in all the spaces that we are in, we really try to cultivate this safe and kind space. And that doesn't mean superficially nice. So we still have, you know, have debates and have conversations and disagree, but in a way that doesn't um, shame or tear somebody down. And I think that that that's the culture change that I really want to see take off in the scientific community. And, you know, I think that that's one of the ways that we're, we're trying to help people feel more comfortable to ask the questions that they're afraid to ask. I can totally relate to Julie and Erin's experiences with abrasive colleagues and instructors. I've had my fair share. For example, I studied applied physics in my undergrad. And when I decided to pursue graduate studies in engineering, I had an instructor tell me I was lost. Maybe it was because I didn't have top tier grades. Or maybe this person just didn't think I could get into a good European university for my graduate studies. The point is, the hierarchical culture that exists in science right now actively closes off our opportunities to do science and do it well. When we're constantly competing, we're more inclined to keep our data to ourselves, to put down the work of others, and to basically win. Openscapes feels like the opposite of this culture. It's not about who is better or who has more knowledge. It's about sharing knowledge. It's about teaching and learning in tandem. And it emphasizes that people don't have to know everything because through the OpenScapes program, scientists can learn who their team members are and how they best fit into that team. The coolest part about OpenScapes is that it's actually having an impact, particularly with respect to breaking down knowledge hierarchies on teams. After the break, Erin and Julia will tell us about the NASA OpenScapes project and a very cool example of what the OpenScapes culture change looks like in real life. So stay tuned. Are you a student or recent grad ready to reach your full potential in the geosciences? Then you need to join the Geoscience and Remote Sensing Society. With over 75 chapters in 94 different countries, you'll connect with a diverse community of professionals, experts, and advisors who can inspire your science and help shape your career. Find support and fellowship as part of our Young Professionals Network. Advance your skills through our GRSS schools, student travel grants, workshops, and more. Be at the forefront of geoscience research by joining our technical committees and network with geoscientists from around the world at IGARS, our flagship conference. Our incredible international community is ready to welcome you. Learn more and get connected today by visiting grss-ieee.org. 
Welcome back. Today we're speaking to Dr. Julia Lance and Erin Robinson, co-developers in the movement that is OpenScapes. Together, these scientists have combined their research experience with their open science and community building skills to grow OpenScapes into a successful culture change program for open science. Their success has caught the attention of NASA, and now Julia and Erin have the exciting opportunity of testing how to scale OpenScapes through a brand new project called NASA OpenScapes. Let's take a listen. So tell me about NASA OpenScapes. How did this come about? So NASA Earth Science data systems are migrating their data to the cloud, to Amazon Web Services. And this shift is a shift in practice for many of their research teams who use NASA Earth data, both because it's moving to the cloud, but also because of the size of the data and the the new analysis tools that are available to work with data on the cloud. But all of this is a change that is requiring people to learn new skills, to deal with being uncomfortable, not knowing. And so when NASA was thinking about how to address this, they wanted a way to support their data center staff um, as the data center staff supported these research teams that were transitioning. And so we were invited to submit a proposal with the OpenScapes model, the OpenScapes approach that we've been talking about. And so the initial goals were that we wanted to develop this cross data center community um, and to support them as they became competent data instructors. We wanted to empower science teams that were using NASA Earth Science data on the cloud as they experimented and made this transition. And then we wanted to try to scale the OpenScapes Champions program with these new mentors to support science cohorts more broadly. So that's where we started. We're halfway through now, and we have been able to find these amazing mentors across the data centers, which I think there are 12 Earth Science data centers across the United States, and they have you know, had varying ties, but through the OpenScapes mentor community, they've really developed these close bonds and collaborated to develop training material. They teach each other how to do different things on the cloud. We've all learned how to use the cloud together. So I think there's been this kind of cyclical approach that we've taken to forming this community, learning together, creating material together, and then welcoming research teams, um, learning from those research teams, what were their pain points and trouble spots um, as they were trying to do research on the cloud and then iterating through, but all with the underlying OpenScapes approach. So kinder science, inclusive science, open science, and this welcoming safe environment to do all of that learning together. So basically what you're, oh, sorry, go ahead, Julie. I was just gonna say, I love, I love hearing Aaron describe it all. Um, I was just going to give one other little example. Um, Last year, the mentors came together and taught a hackathon, um, their first time teaching together with their new materials that they had developed. And they did this fantastic job. They had a 65 participants that were joining remotely, learning things like accessing our 2i2c Jupyter Hub, using Jupyter Notebooks, running Python code that accessed NASA Earth data on the cloud, starting to subset that Earth data and visualize it. So they were doing this throughout the week. 
while also then working on their own projects and getting help from the mentors about their own projects. So there was kind of this, the mornings were these, were the teaching content and the afternoons were hackathons. And one, just one moment throughout this um, hackathon was on the very first day, one of our teachers had an accident and wasn't able to teach. And it was like instantaneous. Another mentor was able to step in and teach that whole module that morning with no more prep time. And it and that was because of this work they had done in the intervening months of getting to know each other, understanding each other's work, giving constructive feedback about the tutorials they were developing and the teaching styles, being able to use tools like GitHub and JupyterHub to actually run each other's code and test it and have access to it. So it was just this really neat moment within a broader series of events. Yeah. That's so cool how the team was able to switch out roles at the last minute. That really aligns with the accessibility focus of open science. Now that you're halfway through the program, what about measurement? How do you gauge the success of the program? Yes. Um, this I think is like the million dollar question. Is that big enough? Um, like how do you measure culture change, right? Like we look in some ways to um, other efforts like the get out the vote efforts or like bigger climate efforts. And a lot of that is in sharing stories, like maybe somebody who didn't think their vote would count got excited through conversations with their family and then now helps other voters register, you know, stories like that. And so I think you know, the, the story from the hackathon that I just shared is an important part of this. Yeah. You know, one thing I'm learning as an information science doctoral student is about qualitative methods and how we can use those qualitative methods to capture those stories and to to code the stories to try to see these emergent themes. And so um, that's a way that we're we're able to see impact. So we've we've done kind of at a fine grained scale. We've looked at the Google Doc notes that come out of the champions cohorts, and we've um, we've worked with a social scientist, Beth Duckles, who helped us think about an approach for for this kind of work, which is time consuming but really interesting to go back through and to highlight places where we could see the groups in real, you know, in sort of near real time making these shifts. Um, so that's how we've been more maybe disciplined in the the way that we're thinking about trying to track that change. And then, you know, kind of backing off from that, we are pretty reflective. So just reflecting together and capturing, you know, the things that are, are resonating with us um, is another way that we are sort of in tune with where ships are happening. But I think, you know, the biggest, maybe the most rewarding thing for me when I know that we're making a difference is when I hear the NASA mentors talk about things that have happened because of our program that wouldn't have happened otherwise, or I hear research teams that have participated in other OpenScapes Champions programs out in the world talking about the successes that their team has had because of open science. And I know that we've played a small part in that. You know, those are the kind of the micro level, but we're trying to organize those two so that we can tell this bigger story of OpenScapes as a movement. 
So basically, this movement is about community of learning. But I want to bring our conversation back to the individual listener. This season has focused exclusively on open science. We've covered what open science is, what it entails, and some of the questions we need to address as we move forward in embracing open science. So at this point, listeners have a good understanding of open science, and they might be interested in starting to embrace it themselves. So how do folks transition their personal practices to build their open science capacity and processes? This is a great question. And, you know, something that, you know, we talk about a lot is like open science as a daily practice and how to how to bring open science you know, thinking about open science as a process and not only as as products or tools. One of the things we do with OpenScapes at the end of every session with the Champions Program, we share an efficiency tip of something tech-related, a keyboard shortcut or something, and we share an inclusion tip. So thinking about what's something as a daily habit that you can bring into your work that will help others feel more included. So I think that... It does take a little bit of of self-reflection, um, thinking about how we're working while also looking around and seeing what other people have done and asking them like if they could recommend what to do. And, and then that will kind of snowball many, many resources um, that you'll be able to learn from. Erin? Yeah, so I would give two resources. One, um, Julie and colleagues wrote an article that we start every champions program with called Supercharge Your Research, a 10-week plan for open data science. And I would use that as scaffolding to start a conversation with whatever sort of team, and that might be yourself to start, but then also I think I would encourage our your listeners to think about who is in their immediate team and how might they they do this together because I think that also having uh, colleagues to work with in this transition makes it less lonely as we've talked about and um, has, I think, the power to sustain change in a way that working alone may not. Um, And then the other thing that I would like to share, I think, with the listeners is we have a template for what we call the trailhead. And it gives some you know, some ways to think about your pra- your open science practices across many areas of your work. And that's a way to sort of say, where are you now? Where do you want to be? And then the third thing that I would offer up is Julie and her NCs team, when they started the shift in that original work that she mentioned pre-OpenScapes, they had something called seaside chats. And seaside chats are not lab meetings in the traditional sense of reporting out It's really meant to be a place where the rest of the team starts to coordinate together um, and share and learn together. So those are the three things, the supercharger research, 10-week plan, creating your trailhead or your pathways document, and then thinking about having these regular scheduled learning conversations with your team. Thanks for mentioning those resources. They'll be helpful. Now, last question. Where do you think open science might lead us into the future? What I hope that open science will lead to is solutions to the global climate movement, the climate challenges that we're facing and addressing. I mean, I also, I think that we saw this in the COVID space, the power of open science, but in the earth science space where Julie and I both sit, climate change is all around us and needs everybody. It needs all of us. And I hope that through our work that 
everybody that we work with sees themselves as part of the climate movement. And we really, we make progress at creating culture change on these really pressing problems in local spaces that collectively add up to global change. Yes. And I think, I think a big, you know, I just amplifying Aaron and, and saying too, you know, a big part of this is like, how can we upset the sort of traditional power structures and participation in science? Because we do need all voices and all, all ideas in order to solve these big challenges. I started this season on a mission to figure out how open science might fit into my own research. One thing I've learned is the importance of thinking about ethics and the implications of my own research whether it's open or not. I've also learned that I don't need to be afraid of sharing my data. Making my research open means I'll have access to constructive comments to improve it. I'm still kind of nervous about contributing to open science. It goes back to the power structures I grew up with, where students who make voluntary contributions are seen as showing off, and students who ask questions are seen as less intelligent than their colleagues. So I'll have to overcome my underlying fears of asking questions or making contributions because, ultimately, I do want to make science more open. Which kind of reinforces this point that Julia and Erin made about the need for kind science. I think this resonates with me the most. Open science must be inclusive. And to be inclusive, it must be kind, welcoming, and accessible to anyone who wants to get involved, not just scientists. The question of how we do this still isn't fully clear because, as I've learned, it's not a simple task. It's going to take a collective effort for all of us to make science work for the benefit of society as well as the rest of the planet. What I've also realized, particularly from this conversation with Julia and Erin, is that building open science practices needs to be a daily practice. That's how we shift culture. That's how we move away from closed, hierarchical systems towards open, accessible science. And if we learn to incorporate the fair and care principles as we do this work, we can also ensure that our science is just. So I challenge you, my listeners, what steps are you going to take to build open science practices into your work? I'm going to start with completing my own OpenScapes trailhead, and I plan to use that to guide my steps going forward. Are you interested in doing the same? Then visit OpenScapes.org. You can also learn more about the work of Julie. Yes, I'm Julie Squid on Twitter and my website is jules32.github.io. And Erin. I'm connector underscore Erin. And erinrobinson.info is the other place you can find links for all of my work on the web. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts where you can check out episodes from season one, two, and three. By following us, you'll also be updated on any future seasons of the podcast. Finally, don't forget to send some love to our sponsors at IEEE underscore GRSS on Twitter and Instagram and IEEE Geoscience and Remote Sensing on Facebook and LinkedIn. This episode was produced by Nicole Bedford from Nicole Bedford Films with help from me, Stephanie Tomampos. Graphics and design by Mylene Briggs of Kila Media. And a special thanks to Yvonne Ivy Parker and Keely Roth for their support. I'm Stephanie Tomampos and you've been listening to Down to Earth.